You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Damn it, I'm a doctor, not a insert. Alan <laughs> Seiler. Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a moon shuttle pilot. <laughs> and Veronica Daschle. Hi. <laughs> and... <laughs> We're joined by some special guests. This is a special crossover episode from us and the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Woo! Hey, hey hello. 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 Thanks for having us. Cosmic Pizza. Welcome to you our guys. friends from across the pond and across the border. <laughs> Yay. You guys want to introduce <laughs> yourselves real quick? Okay, I'll go first. Um, my name is Paul. Uh, I am one of the hosts of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. I, uh, I come from uh, the near the Liverpool area in uh, the UK, and I've been podcasting since about 2012. The first episode I ever did was a, of a, a show called um, The Lutrek Show, and I uh, spoke about the Doctors of Star Trek. So guess where I came up with the idea for this one? <laughs> so this is sort of celebrating your 10th anniversary, almost. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, so yeah, so I, I um, was podcasting away, and I uh, was introduced to Sean. Uh, did a few podcasts with him. Uh, we did a couple of short-lived uh, podcasts, which uh, didn't quite work out as well as we wanted to. Um, and then uh, Dan and Hitch popped up one day, and we invited him along to do a couple of bits and pieces. And as with most podcasts, once you get invited on, as a you know, you're a, li- you're a listener, you write in, you get invited on, that's it. You, you, you're there for life. So uh, <laughs> the three of us decided to come up with the Cosmic Pizza, and we've been doing that for the last uh, it's about two two years, two and a half years, something like that. Fantastic. Who's next? I guess I'll go next. I'm Sean. Uh, I'm from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada, and I've been podcasting since 2012, uh, currently hosting the Soul Forge podcast, all about being a better human. Uh, I'm also the co-host of the Epsilon 3 podcast with Paul and Dan and the Cosmic Pizza podcast. Wow. You have us beat by one. <laughs> well, I, actually, funny story. When uh, when Mike, the king of the ESO network, talked about a Star Trek <laughs> podcast, I said, hey, I'd like to be a host of that. He said, you already got three on here. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's enough of you. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Welcome to the Sean Vandaloo Network. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Down to you. Uh, yeah. Uh, hello. Uh, I'm Dan. I uh, podcast with these two. Uh, we do the Cosmic Pizza podcast. I sort of got into podcasting listening to these two first, so it's their fault uh, that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we do the Cosmic Pizza, which was the first project that we put together, then the Epsilon 3. Um, in my own time, uh, separately, I have a separate Star Trek podcast called the Temporal Trek podcast, where I watch all of Star Trek in chronological order, but not in the way you think. It's in timeline, chronological order, mm-hmm. with all the scenes by scene in the right order, from the Big Bang all the way up to what will eventually <laughs> be the 31st century. Uh, you know, the scene of Voyager at the Big Bang, 
then the little scenes of all the time travel all the way through the 20th century. We're now at the 22nd century with Enterprise, and we're gradually going to do all the scenes of all the, the TOS crew growing up. So anytime you see Kirk being born or anything like that, that gets wow. watched first. And then Dang, we'll, dude. As, as that we go on. sounds like a lot of work. You'll yes. be talking about the flash forwards <laughs> in Enterprise about the time you're talking about season three and four of Discovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like just the amount of work to organize that. So you should so, see the spreadsheet alone. No, I would not like to. <laughs> it's, I it's would a like to. That to sounds make awesome. man go mad. Oh my god! So, I love spreadsheets. Every time there's a time travel, do you have to start over? <laughs> uh, not start over, but we have had to go back when Picard did 2024 for season mm. two. Mm. We had to go back and, and and pretend we'd already recorded that. Dude. And then I put in the episodes and released them as if they released two years ago on the little <laughs> uh, time slot. So we pretend and talk as though we've, we had it in the bag the whole time. Wow. Uh, awesome. But it was really good fun. Really good fun to do that. Uh, my, wow. my co-host. My co-host on that is another Dan, uh, Dan Hupfield, who has the Academic Trek podcast where he talks to people, academics who use Star Trek in their research as well. Ooh, I need to listen wow. to that. That, that is fascinating. Awesome. Also, uh, I do want to see that spreadsheet. He talks about doctors. So uh, he talks to doctors who've used it as medical studies for wow. uh, various creatures and things like that. Interesting. Okay. Well, for our listeners who haven't heard the Cosmic Pizza podcast, what's that all about? You name it. <laughs> it's, about, <laughs> it's about a slice of life. That's what it is. The, the, the cosmic pizza, it, it's a whole, the whole cosmos is a pizza, and we take a slice of that uh, universe and talk about it. It can be anything. So we've, we've spoken to um, uh, directors. We've spoken to producers. We've spoken to authors. Uh, we've spoken to experts on extraterrestrial things, UFOs, conspiracy theories, um, we've managed to drag that um, lady that we uh, um, brought on as a as a ho- as a um, guest is now is now going to be a host. She doesn't know it yet, but she is. Um, <laughs> we've spoken about uh, the Muppets. We've spoken about. Oh, help me out here, guys! I'm our, our favorite our favorite films of the decade by decade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a captain's fight where we had all the captains from all the sci-fi, which lasted a very long time. It was quite a few to get through. Worst. It was yeah, talk about spreadsheets. It sounded like a good idea at the time until you see the size of the spreadsheet and thought, "Hang on, there's 32 captains here, and we've now got to spend the next few weeks, months." Uh, almost a year going through all of these things, uh, fight by fight, and and working out each <laughs> round. You know, from sixteen uh, to thirty-two, down to sixteen, down to eight, down to four. And, and two. It was very days. scientific. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Let's go with lots scientific. of research. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> awesome. It occurs to me, and I think you you all are the perfect guests on our show because it occurs to me that the original Enterprise, the main dish section, is shaped like a cosmic pizza. No. That's where we can cook them. We yes. have a on the thematic shield. time tie-in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have an mm-hmm. enterprise pizza cutter actually. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, I think we have two. Mm-hmm. We have like the super fancy gold one that has not come mm-hmm. out of the box ever. No. And then we have like the regular one. Yeah. yeah. That I've we've got, used exactly yeah. twice. I've got the regular <laughs> one, but never used it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> well, that's right. Once you use it, it starts firing lasers everywhere and it gets a bit messy, doesn't it? Photon that's torpedoes right. falling out of it. And oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we were recently guests on the Cosmic Pizza podcast um, talking about the possibilities of extraterrestrial life in the universe. And I thought we had a great conversation. Oh, my God. That was such a great talk. It, it I enjoyed a, it. One of so our much. best recordings, I think, that mm-hmm. we've done. We, we really enjoyed it. It was so much fun. 
Yeah. This so, one's going to be better because I'm on this one. That's right. Of course. Like a, shut up this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah, it was missing something last time, and I think we found it. <laughs> right. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you've not heard that, make sure you check out the Cosmic Pizza podcast feed and uh, look for our episode. And, and you'll give give their podcast a chance, too, because that's uh, a lot of interesting things. I think that we have a lot of interesting crossover of ideas and interests that I think people yeah. will be interested in. Yeah, and it, and it leans heavily towards the science fiction and especially Star Trek as well. So. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the doctors of Star Trek. First, though, we're going to take a quick break and promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then we'll get into the discussion topic. We'll be right back. You know what now is a good time for? It's time for a promo for the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. The Cosmic Pizza Podcast, you say? Hmm, that sounds delicious. What is that? It's a delicious slice of life. In every episode? In every episode, where we talk about conspiracy theories, cartoons of our childhood, Star Trek quizzes, movies that we've liked, hard racing, general pop culture, fantasy recasts. But what we don't talk about is pizzas. Right here on the ESO Network. All right, and we're back, and we're talking about the Doctors of Star Trek. I, I don't want to go first because I think everyone probably is going to know what I'm going to say. So let, I think let's let's throw it to one of our guests. Maybe it'll be a little less predictable for our regular listeners who we're going to pick. Um, Sean, who who's who do you think is the best Doctor in Star Trek? Uh, that's a good question. Um, as most people will know if they listen to our Epsilon Three podcast, the Doctor is my least favorite character on a sci-fi show. <laughs> Wait, seriously. Yeah, no. I can't stand yeah. the doctor. No, even no, no, no. even Doctor Who, doctors in general, like <laughs> oh, Doctor oh. Who's Doctor Who. How great. dare you! But if you watch Babylon Five, Doctor Franklin is the worst. Oh well, but that's warranted. I mean, come on. <laughs> true, true. So when when Paul said we were doing a doctor's podcast, I was like, oh no. But uh, <laughs> my favorite's got to be Doctor McCoy. He, he's mm. the original. He's he's curmudgeonly, but he's funny. He's irritable. He he gives Spock a run for his money. He's just he's he's the template, and he's got all those great quotes. I, I just love him. One question, uh, Paul and I t- and uh, I talked about Sean is is your favorite Doctor the best Doctor? Oh, I I don't know about that. Probably the Doctor hologram is probably the best Doctor because he's got yeah. all of the. Uh, computer programs inside of them and all that kind of stuff. But Dr. McCoy is just the most fun, I think. Hmm. So question. So if you were, if you were deadly ill, you got, um, what is it? The semoline blood burn. Um, who would you want to treat you? Even though McCoy may be your favorite, which one would you want to treat you? It's always got to be the hologram because he's got all the medical knowledge programmed into it. Interesting. And presumably he has the steadiest hand. I would hope so. Yes. That's a good point. <laughs> Unless there's a power outage or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> or unless someone hits his mobile emitter with a clipboard or something. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're having a surgery, you're probably in the holodeck. Or not the holodeck, in the sick bay. So he's going to yeah, be there. Yeah, you're right. He should be there. He shouldn't glitch. <laughs> I feel like there should be a backup if there's a power right. outage. <laughs> Right. The back of his cast, so good luck. Hey, I'm all right with that. So if I could do a real quick follow-up question, because I think it's a very interesting point. Star Trek's established an interesting formula where in so many of the shows, the doctor became critical, like the big three, uh, the captain, the science officer, the doctor. And the doctors are really critical in almost all Star Trek episode uh, series. 
almost all. What is it about doctors in general that you don't like as far as them being included or so significant? Uh, maybe they're too smart, um, and I could never hope to be a doctor. That's probably what it is. Like, and even on uh, regular television shows, like I won't watch Grey's Anatomy or any of that stuff. I don't care. I don't care about the doctor's life or its work ethic or anything. Like, I respect them because they're smart and they know all the stuff. But I, I just, I don't care. I don't. It's like uh, lawyer stuff or mafia stuff. I don't want to watch anything about that. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, mafia doctor. That's an interesting concept. <laughs> there you go. Ooh, that'd be a really cool show. I would watch that show. That one might be okay. <laughs> Daniel, how about you? Who's your favorite doctor? I've, I've flipped around on this so many times. Yes, uh, being a doctor, it has to be EMH because mm. he's wow. got everyone. Everyone who's already existed is pre-programmed. Maybe not Bashir, but uh, you know it would be the doctor. But you know he's he is a living scalpel, so you'd expect him to be the best doctor. Um, uh, I really like Bashir because obviously he doesn't flicker out. You know, if there's a, mm. a power cut, he can be a doctor, and he's genetically engineered, so he's going to be the best you could possibly get. But mm. I've been spending a lot of time in the 22nd century and I really like flocks. Flocks can be taken out of yeah. enterprise and plugged mm -hmm. in literally anywhere. Yeah. And he will be the best. He's the most optimistic. He embodies Star Trek and he's mm -hmm. a good doctor. And he's got uh, um, loads of eels and bats and whatever that menagerie is all about. Um, and he can clone trip without you know telling anyone. So there we go. Um, <laughs> Definitely a skill every doctor should have. <laughs> exactly. You know, just or just on the off chance, I've got something that can clone someone. So there you go. That's how they can solve the end of Enterprise. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. You can. <laughs> Actually, that, that uh, yeah, you know, that's a whole science thing. But actually, Veronica, that's that's actually brilliant because that, that they, we got to bring that man back somehow. Yes, mm. uh, I agree with you there. Now, According now, to the books, he never went. That's right. Ah, that's right. They already okay. solved that in the books. Yeah, and it, awesome. it was a holodeck uh, simulation from Riker mm -hmm. from hundreds of years in the future. So <laughs> they don't really know all this stuff. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Riker's cookery show. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Paul. <laughs> Okay, so um, Dan's just taken my favourite favourite, so mm -hmm. I, I knew that. I, thought, I had a feeling that was going to happen, so I've got a, a backup favourite. I mean, Flox is fantastic. He was the first alien doctor that we really saw, um, and like you say, he uses leeches. Uh, he uses the old-style um, you know, way of treating people and also has all of the modern-day um, tech that you would expect. So overall... He not only has the uh, all the new modern up to date stuff, he can you know rely on some of the more unusual older methods or even his own right. species methods that you know to, to use it. So I think he's got a good all round sort of doctor you know approach there. Um, my favorite doctor for totally different reasons would be Doctor Tiana because <laughs> any doctor that searches the galaxy for a cardboard box just so they can uh, roll around <laughs> in it and you go, stole oh, mine. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> For the exactly I, same reason. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, she is the Dr. McCoy. She is the Catherine Pulaski, uh, yeah. you know, gruff, um, you know, doctor. But she's, you know, gets on with it. She does her job and she's a cat. What more yes. could you like about it? You know, I mean, just leave her to do it. You know, you don't have to look after her and take her for walks and all that type of thing. You know, <laughs> as long as she doesn't cough up a hairball in the middle of surgery, it's all fine. So, I think yeah. she's such a great, I, I, the only thing is, I think we don't see much of her actually doctoring, mm. you know, she's yeah. used more as a comedic element, mm -hmm. um, but I love her um, yeah. because they lean into the cat thing, just as you say, you know, not just her like 
sending um, Mariner and um, what's her name on a mission to get this artifact from her home planet just so she can sit in the box that it comes in. But when the Borg are there and, and the little eyepiece goes around and she chases the, the red lasers, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just brilliant what they've done. <laughs> Plus, it she's, is, a, and, she's and, a smart ass, and that's my favorite thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When yeah, she yeah, told she, Mariner, You look like a f- scratching post (laughs) (laughs) best line ever in star trek (laughs) all right veronica um so my favorite doctor is bashir okay but that's mostly because of his personality and not in relation to doctoring so much (laughs) or or his good looks or no no he's 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 funny um and obviously that's kind of what I enjoy. Um, okay. She's looking. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> not, not, I don't like good looks. <laughs> oh, I because I, I said not because of good looks because he's funny. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and that's when the show got awkward. All right, keep going, Veronica. <laughs> Next, you'll see them on two screens instead of sharing with, with, with the one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't know. My arms not long enough. Hold on. Keith. <laughs> So a quick question, Veronica, Bashir is your favorite doctor, but you said not so much because his doctoring. Is he the doctor you want to operate on you all the time? Is he what oh you call the best doctor? No, no. Who's, who would that be? Uh, th- that would be the doctor. Wow, okay. the doctor is getting a lot of love. I mean, yeah. like he was he was my second pick overall, um, but yeah. Sorry, a quick follow up on that real quick. Uh, did you love Bashir from the start, including the first season when he was kind of arrogant and callow and kind of creepy with him always trying to hit on women? Including yes, because I thought that was hilarious. Also, <laughs> I did. I, I, as you I'm, I'm sure you and these guys may not know as much, but uh, Chuck took a while to get me into uh, or it took me a while for Chuck to get me I'm into saying DS9. Into DS9. It took me a while to get into DS9. So I don't remember where I started. So. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoy him in the first season. I don't enjoy him so much in the later seasons when he's all serious and stuff. See, okay. I, I I like him a lot because we see that growth, yes. that character mm-hmm. arc yeah. over seven years where he starts out fresh and wide eyed and sort of like I'm excited to be on the frontier. real frontier medicine. And Kira's right. like, and, mm. and then becomes that sort of like hardened. And and more practical uh, character as we go on and as he has these experiences and has he has to deal with the war and all this other kind of stuff. I think he's I think he's a brilliant character. Yeah, yeah. I, I like his middle seasons. Yeah, the best where he's like kind of a mixture of both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Chuck, we need to know who mine. Your, yeah, is Dr. McCoy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with Bones. No, of surprise. course. I know. And then second place is Dr. Bashir. Because <laughs> all I ever there talk about is TOS and DS9. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. There's a sweet spot on Bashir, sort of mid, like season three, four, five, mm-hmm. where he sort of peaked Bashir. Um, but I, I I like his story. I like his his growth over the course of the season. And Dr. McCoy is just the classic doctor. He's the heart of the show. And I mean, that yeah. show works because you've got Kirk in the middle. You've got the analytical Spock on one side and Dr. McCoy on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and they he, he just they complement each other so well. And he's he's the heart of the Enterprise. And yeah, I mean, he's uh, a little irascible, but that's fine. You know, he, he yeah, needs sort I, of the, I think he's described in the, you know, the the uh, the show Bible is sort of the unlikely space traveler. 
You know, he's <laughs> like the yeah. old country doctor who just ends up on a spaceship. And I, yeah. I like, I love that. Yeah, and I think with, without him, there would be no other doctors on the on the show. I don't think that uh, they wouldn't have elevated any of the other doctors into the main cast. It would have just mm. been no. Hmm. There's chapels, if you like, in the background. You know that you would come and get your splinter taken out your finger, and that'd be it. But with this guy doing such a great job of being, you know, Defoe hmm. Kelly doing such a great job of of uh, bringing this character to life, uh, making him what he was. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it it would even then meant that they had to have the a doctor as part of the crew and main part of the crew in every episode ever since. Yeah. I think it's interesting that one of the things that we have not talked about at all is discovery because there isn't a doctor in the main cast. We have a recurring character, but we don't see her often. Yeah, we don't she's see not her like the she's not in the main cast. And um... right. she's there to perform a function, but she's not there to have her character developed. Right. Wilson Cruz. I don't remember his character's name. Why am I blanking on it? Colber. 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 Yeah. I was thinking he... about the other one. Oh, We're Pollard. right because Colbert, Colbert's a doctor, but he's not the doctor. That's true, right? So the the focus is more on him in the last two seasons, where and even then he's more of a counselor than a doctor. He, right? He he's has more become much more of a counselor. Exactly. He's sort of performing two functions. Yeah, yeah. Discovery doesn't have as much of as the other other series about some kind of disease or something that the doctor has to solve because you yeah. think so much about McCoy solving the um, gosh the thing in. Um, Oh my goodness, I'm blanking. Um, the neck at time and uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything for that to the to the to the space that made people go nuts in the Tholian web. You don't see as much of that in Discovery, where they're always the yeah. doctor's always gotta solve some kind of major disease. But yeah, Colbert, I like Colbert as a person, as a counselor, I think he's phenomenal. But you're right, the regular medical doctor is not central in Discovery. I and mean, mm-hmm. that is an interesting change. Mm-hmm. And so far there's not a doctor in Prodigy. Mm-hmm. Zero sort of filled that function a little bit, right. but not yeah. really as a mm-hmm. main exactly. focus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Keith, who's your favorite? Well, I have to, I have to go with uh, following what you said, Chuck. And I, I thought that I thought about this long and hard, and it's and it's funny because I like a couple of doctors in a couple of ways. When you look at the doctors like Bashir, and I'd say Doctor Crusher, they're incredibly brilliant, and you just look at them and you just see modern technology. Despite the fact that Bashir was working on an old space station, he had cutting edge technology and of course crusher is working on a, a floating hotel cutting edge technology you know the, the, the best tech and then on the flip side as a couple of people pointed out you got somebody like blocks who's obviously a brilliant doctor but at the, he still does old school medicine like he has his people say he has bats and insects and he uses venoms and all this kind of stuff in addition to the technology so i like both sides of it i love the what we sometimes sometimes we call Western medicine and Eastern medicine, where there's you know there's the technological stuff, and then there's like there's healing, natural healing, homeopathic medicine, and I do think that Dr. McCoy sits in the middle of that probably better than anybody, because we've seen so many times on Star Trek where he has done just phenomenal medical you know solving. Like I said, but he came up with the, the with the Thurgan derivative to, to cure the Atholian web space, but at the same time. He really is an old school doctor who might be making house calls, as they, they mm. used to say. Um, the episode, The Deadly Years, when Spock talked about how he was cold and he kept raising the temperature of his quarters. And McCoy goes, well, I can see I'm not going to be making any house calls on you. But you, <laughs> you can see McCoy being the old school doctor that anybody under 40 probably doesn't know about. The doctor actually gets to go to people's homes with a bag. You can see McCoy doing that. Um, real quick, in, in an episode in Next Generation when Dr. Pulaski was the doctor. 
there was an episode that literally made no sense, but I, and I forget the circumstance, but I remember Pulaski was working on a whole bunch of triage and one of her, one of her aides couldn't set a person's bone because the bone kneading machine wasn't working. I don't know if y'all remember this. And then Pulaski has to tell yeah. the guy to make a splint, which is what literally is the most illogical thing in all of Star Trek that her, her aide goes a splint. And then she explains no. to him what a splint is. No. And I'm like, how would you not know what a splint is? I mean, I, I, I get that technology has advanced, but if you're a doctor, a nurse, a medic or whatever, even in the 24th century, you better know how to make a splint in case all the technology fails. I mean, uh, you, you, you have to learn that if you're in scouts. You, I can't imagine that you wouldn't have to learn that if you're in like, I know you're in space and you have these things where you just go yeah. and it magically knits. But still, I feel like you're going to run into an issue where that thing has been smashed. I hope so. How many times? How many times has any doctor said to, to another person, or even any of us said to another person, "Oh, um, oh, pass me a leech," and then somebody's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't use leeches now. They're old technology. They are. We've right. got other things that can do that. So I can <laughs> see that you know, like a splint would go out of fashion because we got these techn- this technology. We're talking a couple of hundred years in the, in the future. That's, yeah, but I feel like the. The difference there is leeches were scientifically proven to not be effective for certain things where they were using them for everything in the past. Mm. But splints, I feel like, are just kind of a, well, I mean, Basic. maybe eventually they'll be a, why would you use a splint? That's stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there'll be a scientific reason not to. But I feel like, I don't know. You would think that every... Every officer has to take a field medicine, a yeah, basic like field medicine course. Which, if you're, on a, if you're on a planet <laughs> and something happens, a boulder falls on you, you have to fix this person's arm. Mm. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm Alex, just waiting for trepanning to come back into fashion. Right. Yeah. Just and, the whole, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Let's that's get easy. Alan's favorite doctor before we get into <laughs> <Martin> <laughs> the weeds. It was it was Bashir. I said that. <laughs> okay, good. Time. So anyway, but I, I have a follow up question for all of you. Okay, why did it take so long for this discussion to come to Doctor Crusher? And why did Pulaski get mentioned twice before Doctor Crusher got mentioned? And why has Doctor Mbenga not even been mentioned? That's the, exactly the same thing I was going to say. Alan, that was a great point because we got uh, you know it was Keith that we finally brought up Doctor Crusher, yeah. and Mbenga hasn't been uh, discussed. And both of them are my worst doctors. I think. Well, I think Mbenga's just not been around long enough as yeah. a regular character. You know. Mm. So, but but Crusher, we had seven years of Crusher and well, four six. movies of Crusher. It, yeah, well, six. six. True, six, true, true. Six years too many. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I don't think that Crusher was always as well served by yeah. the by the stories. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, all, and on the occasions when you had her actually standing up and saying, "No, I, as the Doctor, I'm saying we have to do this." Yeah. It would, it, for me, it would feel like it was, you know, we're in the middle of a terrorist attack. And we've got something else we've got to do. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I, I don't feel like they gave her the, the best material. And right. so I don't think that she leaps as a, as a favorite to my mind as quickly as say Bashir or yeah. Dr. Yeah. McCoy. It's also yeah. the fact that she, she, she also has the highest death rate, which is, is uh, <laughs> something I need. I want to, I really need to go research this more, but I believe she has the highest death rate in Star Trek. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think, mm. I think, and I think Alan followed up on what you're saying. And also following up what Charles said, I think, you know, if you think about the original series, uh, that formula was the big three, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And in a couple other series, the Doctor has been incredibly central. Phlox is very central in his um, series. And the Doctor is very central in Voyager. But as Charles just said, 
with almost any other doctor, I can think of a situation, a medical situation, a, um, a disease, a, um, a region of space, um, a major war or something where I remember, wow, I remember that doctor doctoring. As, as Veronica said about Bashir doctoring. I can't quickly think of Beverly Crusher and just go, Beverly Crusher, oh, wow, she really doctored the hell out of that. I can't think of like a quick disease or anything because as you guys are saying, she was used more as a character for things like the time when she went into the space where the universe is shrinking around her or the time when the, um, well, I the I candle. Don't mention the candle. Oh, oh we'll say that. <laughs> or, or the uh, not even thinly disguised IRA at Analog when the guy, his guy's name's even Finn, kidnapped her. Um, or as Wesley's mother. But as, as a brilliant doctor, truly doctoring, I can't think of her in that way. And so I think she kind of recedes a little bit because of that. Love the character, but as Charles said, they just didn't write for her well. And that's, they just didn't. Very and, interesting. Yeah, and... Presumably Troy is a doctor as well because she's a psych mm -hmm. psychologist on the ship, psychiatrist. I'm not sure which one she is. She's a counselor. Yeah. But um counselor, not a psychiatrist, because they prescribe medicine. And she, I mean, she wound up in sort of the similar situation too, where Agreed. they right. weren't they weren't giving them the meaty material a lot of the time. And when I didn't they did know how to write for women. And yeah, and when they did, they were taking them out of their specialty. And like now she's right. on, on command of the bridge. So we have something interesting for her to do. I mean, instead of just writing an interesting medical thing for her to do. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I was um, I was intrigued in the alternate future of the series finale. Uh, All good things were for for a couple of reasons. One, I just love the examination of the medical corps of Starfleet and mm -hmm. actual medical starships, and the fact that she was a commander, a captain of a starship that was a medical starship. Um, I would love to see her explored like that. I would love to see Crusher get more of a chance to to shine on her own like that. Well, it sounds like she's going to get more of that in Picard coming up. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like she's going to be more central. And she seems very happy with what they've given her. So I'm I'm looking right. forward to that. Or she's awesome. saying that because that's what she's currently on. Well, yeah. That's what they tend to do also. True. That is but true. Ho hopefully, hopefully it's true. It is We've seen her uh, what look like it. action poses. So mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so not doctoring. That's true, but soldiering. <laughs> so I've I've said on our podcast a few times, maybe twice, I think, that um, I would love to see the Star Trek formula expanded into other things and do a legal drama that's set in the Star Trek universe and things like that. And I would love to see a medical drama. I would love Absolutely. to see. A, a Starfleet medical ship or a, yeah. a base, a star base that's a medical, you know, facility or whatever, and done like Chicago Hope, but with Star Trek setting. What do you guys think about that? And w would that work? And how could it be made to work? What characters should lead it? Yeah, they tried that with there was a sci fi show called Mercy Point, maybe mm -hmm. that was yeah. sort of the UPN, like sort of mid early 90s, somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, that didn't last very long. But, um, well, UPN. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to give a real interesting main character, sort of like a house in space, right? You know, right. Um, where you've got a, a a character that hooks you and makes the medical things interesting, because the yes. medical mysteries on house aren't particularly interesting. No, you know, and they always run the same format. You can yes. get up and go for a coffee, you know, fifteen minutes in, and you'll be back before he has an epiphany and and solves <laughs> solves the case. You know, <laughs> on a blanket. Right. First, he's gonna they're gonna solve it wrong and almost kill them, and then he'll see a, a coffee cup. <laughs> And, and it'll jog his memory. You know, there's a format to them, but you, you come back because the characters are engaging. He's and right. poking on this because I'm currently rewatching House. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just into the last season now, and I, I, this is the first first watch I've had of it. So me and my wife have been watching it. We're just on the halfway through the last 
season. So. Yes. Charles, I'm, Charles, I'm chuckling because I've never watched House, but it's one of really? those shows. Never, ever. But it's one of those shows where I've seen maybe two or three episodes. And the funny thing you said is every time I just bounce into it, it's exactly what you said. <laughs> That's, exactly what it is. <laughs> That's every week. <laughs> they could also go the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> they could also go the comedic route and make it like yeah. Scrubs. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that well, at all. I would that's not the thing that. that. That's the thing that Star Trek could do better because if you had, say, a virus that even a Starfleet medical couldn't cure, um, unlike you know, a house or ER where all the legal complications are American based or over here we've got casualty, which is all UK based mm-hmm. legal things, you could have a representative of every major race with all of their different outlooks that's and mm-hmm. examine medical ethics in a way that no other Ooh. medical show has ever done. That um, would be know, so amazing. Yeah. Go into the gamma quadrant and have a representative on this ship of every race trying yeah. to work on a cure for the quickening, say, uh, mm. because of the dominion, it's got out of hand, you know, whatever. Um, you could actually really delve into different ways of administering care as opposed to just the Starfleet way of administering care. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, That's yeah, true. I, that. I yeah, am even I, more into this idea now. This no, is so I, exciting. <laughs> Alan, I, I think it'd be a great idea to piggyback in what Daniel was saying. Like when you talk about ethics, a couple of times in Star Trek, for example, there was the episode when Dr. Crusher was the central character where they had built the shield. And remember that the, uh, the scientists had developed a shield so that you could actually go inside a sun. And mm-hmm. the one alien, um, the Fering, was it the Fringi who had died? It was one alien had died, and Picard told Crusher not to do an autopsy. And she said she needed to do a physical autopsy to get more information on it. Well, that was a violation of his planet's, his people's ethics. Mm-hmm. And it was severe enough to where initially Crusher was dismissed from her position for that one act. Because yeah. at the end of the day, that's, that was his people's beliefs. And by physically autopsying him, she violated just like the highest level of medical ethics. And Picard's like, you got to go. He couldn't, he really couldn't protect her at first until, you know, he protected her at the end. And and I think a show where you have people traveling around, what would happen if uh, a medical starship comes across a Klingon ship, I mean, a a Romulan ship, you know, how do you handle that? Yeah. Um, How do you handle, you know, if you hit a bunch of erosion, what do you do? Right. I have a friend who studied to be to like work in a morgue, you know, Mm. she it was she studied for years and she said the hardest part of it was to learn the uh, particularities of all these different cultural beliefs about what death means and how death should be addressed. Mm. And for every person every remain that comes in, you have to treat it a different way according to their racial and cultural background. And I thought that was so super interesting. And Star Trek makes its, I mean, the best Star Trek is when it's dealing with ethics. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you have a show based around medical ethics, holy cow, I want to see that show happen now. (laughs) Yeah. And most of the doctors that we've seen have been human. You've got flocks who brought a bit of an alien perspective. You've got Dr. Noom now on prodigy played by Jason Alexander, who's a Tellarite doctor who I'd love to see more of. I'd love to see more of what a Tellarite doctor doctor is like. Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought about that. That, So there is sort of a doctor on there. If he, he stays in with for season two. Yeah. Wasn't there a Vulcan doctor, but Susie Flaxton played. Oh yeah. Dr. Salar. Yeah. 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 Mm. She mm-hmm. never got to do anything. She was mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what other what other species would be interested to see as doctors? Ferengi. Klingon. 
Ringy. Klingon. <laughs> would be, yeah, Klingon. I want to see a Klingon doctor attack a virus like it's its enemy. Yeah. And he will vanquish it and bring honor to his house. That'd be awesome. Fan- fantastic voyage. They find that yeah. thing that can shrink down the runabout. He goes inside and yeah. starts shooting the virus. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> well, you know, I'd be you know, up for that. Yes. Well, you know, Alan, about talking about the doctors and Daniel talk about ethics. One of the reasons I would like to see a medical show, like you mentioned, Alan, and seeing a Klingon doctor is the Klingons are probably arguably the most sometimes uh, stereotype race, right? Uh, If you look at Enterprise, for example, the whole thing around the augments and what caused the Klingons to start looking less like, to stop looking like Worf Klingons and looking like us, it all had to do with a virus. And what they always, the the, the time that they presented a Klingon doctor, it was literally like, they almost don't care. You know, you die because if you're a warrior, you live. And if you're strong, you'll, if you're strong, you'll survive. If not, you die. And I know that's the Klingon belief. And I know we have analogs on our own planet. There are cultures where it's kind of like, if you're strong, you, you'll survive. There's certain faith groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses that don't believe in certain types of medical procedures. But I cannot believe, even for a culture like the Klingons, that someone who goes to medical training, who chooses medical training, has that exact same almost callous warrior philosophy. And I'd like to see that you know treated with a little bit more um, equanimity and a little bit more uh, fleshing out. I can't believe the Klingon doctors literally walk in and go, oh, if you're strong, you'll survive. If not, you'll die. I mean, but, they got to be more than that. You know, they got to be. At the same time, we know from the Geordi and Romulan episode that Romulans, if if a baby is born flawed, if it's blind or whatever, they kill it because it won't grow up to be worthy in society. So there is that different cultural mindset. Mm-hmm. It was always the missed opportunity for DS9, given that we can we yeah. can we can define every doctor by almost the assistant that they had in the show. Butler <laughs> for flocks, Pollard, Chapel, Ogawa, Tendi, sort of. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, you had you didn't have Bashir with a Bajoran nurse mm-hmm. who could stand up to him on a on a religious level, not a yeah. medical level, as to why yeah. we're treating people differently. We never had that episode. That is I mean, they were obviously like against the schools, but there was no, never anything about like health and yeah. that's a great saving people and the policies. It'd be like that. having his own little Kira, yeah, you know, to argue mm. with him about treatments and <laughs> been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that would be that's a fantastic. That's idea. how they can. That is, that's how that's what they should do with DS Nine. It did never. It, it, it mm-hmm. was never destroyed, and it's all <laughs> right. centered Writing around the notes Bashir down for the book. Uh, that's right. Person. And Kira is there in charge, so she's constantly taking the Bajoran side. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And be awesome. you mentioned, Veronica, you mentioned a Ferengi doctor. I think that'd yes. be a great way to satirize our mm. American medical system. Is they're <laughs> charging you for yes. all the treatments? Yeah, <laughs> yes. I was watching the one where Cork was was Cork was going to die, and that, that, it made me think of it because you mentioned the Ferengi and the sun, and she can't cut into him because obviously you have to. Um, do the thing with his bits and then sell it on the Ferengi market. A thousand dollars for insulin? That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian, you talking about when Ferengi die, they 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 desiccate them, freeze dry. Yeah, desiccate. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and sell off their parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that cuts it to his profits. Obviously, they can't cut it to him. I actually think, Alan. Um, I honestly think that a Star Trek medical show would be the best next thing to visit, even before Starfleet Academy or Starfleet Legal, because it lends itself to so much that's already Star Trek. They they could go out in the galaxy, you know, they'd be go out visiting colonies. Cause y'all you, you have all these colonies out there that don't have the greatest technology. And I know in real life, if they were able to do that, they would have to visit colonies every now and then to do medical checkups. It lends itself to 
in alien encounters. It lends itself to getting into battles. It lends itself, you know, in our real life world. Unfortunately, we have doc we have all kinds of situations where doctors without borders who go into certain countries get kidnapped and killed for just trying to do what's the right thing because it's the political and the religious thing that the people who capture and kill them see, not the fact that they're trying to to help people. So I think a Starfleet medical show would be and could be really, really good. Also well, low, lower deck set up that um division 14 that goes around to all the strange uh unsolvable mm. like transporter accidents and things and you could have a you know a medical team that goes around and people are fused together or <laughs> you know have strange aliens <laughs> growing out of them and all sorts of things you know salamander week i have forgotten okay go oh, ahead keith wait, i remembered sorry sorry <laughs> keith um no i also think uh starfleet medical drama would lend itself to the greater population because medical dramas are very popular among the normals as well muggles <laughs> yeah. but they still have to subscribe to paramount plus to get it <laughs> yeah so i don't know if that's that show would be strong enough to lure them in no if star trek hasn't already over here in the UK, we had a show called Embarrassing Bodies, which was a, uh, a real do documentary thing where they followed someone who had a problem and they would literally talk about anything, you know, genital warts, you know, it was on there. It was on the program. Real people talking to real doctors in real time on the show. Uh, just have it like that. You know, some uh, Ferengi comes in talking about something he doesn't really want to talk about because it might cut into profits or, or whatever. Um, you, you could easily do very embarrassing things and people <laughs> would probably watch. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's true. Yep, absolutely. One thing, one thing I'm hearing a lot, and I think, Alan, you mentioned it earlier. One thing I'm hearing a lot from a lot of people, which is so funny, is the same thing you hear sometimes about Neelix or Wesley Crusher or Deep Space Nine, which or Bashir, which is, when I first saw this person, I couldn't stand this person, and now I've grown to appreciate it, and that's Dr. Pulaski. So hmm. what does everybody think about Dr. Pulaski? She was kind of hated when she first came out for a whole lot of reasons. One, the, the obvious attempt to glom a McCoy personality onto her down to the point where she didn't even like to use the transporters. Yeah. And, she was, and she was kind of racist toward data. It didn't work. But I think as they let Pulaski, Diana Muldar be more of herself and find her own character, I thought she became better, but she only had that one season. So what did y'all think about Pulaski? I loved her. I like Pulaski. You're right that she's sort of a female bones. Yes. But I yeah. think that she didn't get a chance to grow beyond that. Uh, that exactly. was I mean, right. season one and two. A lot of the characters were not very good. You know, exactly. they it, it took them some time to figure out how to write the characters on that show when Michael Pillar came in. So I would love to have seen Michael Pillar writing for Pulaski. Agreed. Uh, and see who she could have become. Because Diane Maldar is fantastic. Oh, God, I love her. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she's the, she's the best. Um, I think she's the best doctor. I think she's the, the, the one that, the one that I would like to treat me. I would. Really? I guess, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, it's a toss up between her or, or, or McCoy. I mean, you know, mm. because basically they're the same person as you just said. <laughs> um, uh, Flocks would be great, but um, I, I, th I think she is more um, better. Well, she's better at doctoring than, than uh, any, any of the others. I think she, she is pr very professional. We'll do, you know, we'll do anything to try and you know save the 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 person, even if it does mean treading on a few ethics, like um, with Worf's um, spinal injury that you know he tried to fix that. Um, so yeah, I think I think she's she's just a better doctor, and I I, I am I was annoyed when they brought um, Beverly Crusher back, although that's only because they were getting rid of Pulaski, not because they were bringing Crusher back as such. <laughs> but it was 
I, I thought she was the better doctor. She could stand up to um, she, she. They had that conflict, which wasn't normal in in TNG. They they all had to get on together to fix the problem to to move forward as a team. That I did like, but she brought in this conflict. She was like you say rude to Data. She would stand up to uh, Picard and, and yeah. you know dress him down in, in some places, which I thought was you know for the Doctor is a necessity. You have to have. Yeah, the doctor has to stand above the captain in, in some points, especially medical points, especially. But uh, I, I just thought she was a stronger character, better actress, and I, you know, I preferred her at the time. And she, and she, I think I'm not too sure about her kill rate. I'm sure it's a lot lower than uh, Crush's. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the character that should come back in lower decks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine okay. her and Tiana? That would be a great. Oh, that would be yes. amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I wouldn't okay. want Tiana treating me. Tiana's going to chase you around with a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you just throw a cotton wool ball in the corner, she's done for the next twenty minutes. <laughs> okay, Paul. You know I'm going to spend some time on the internet doing the Doctor Kill rate. Because mm, I've heard this on another uh, podcast. I think what you said about Pulaski is, is really interesting because I remember. When she actually first came aboard the Enterprise, she did not visit Picard first, which and he was irritated by that. She literally went to her job and he kind of said, you know, doctor, it's customary when someone comes aboard the ship to come see the captain. And she was like, look, I got work to do. Hi. And <laughs> and then I think they had a history. But I think the thing was, she was so strong willed. But at the same time, remember the episode with Picard's heart malfunction because he has the artificial heart? Uh-huh. And they were literally operating on him. They're like, oh, sh- shit, we can't do this. And they had to call Pulaski to come <laughs> <Yes>. save us. <laughs> He's like lying on the table like, I hope she gets here soon. <laughs> Which, that's a very interesting point. Because as soon as you start talking about Pulaski, you think of specific doctoring things that she did. Like mm-hmm. saving Picard's heart. Whereas you were saying earlier, you don't think of any specific doctoring thing that Crusher did. In right. six seasons. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's very true. And I heard um and speaking of and Paul also I gotta say, honestly, you're the first person now, I've read online, but you're the first person I've ever, ever heard speak so glowingly about Pulaski. And mm-hmm. so so it's so, you know, effusively say like she's the best doctor. Um I think one thing that can't be not at the time, one was the fact that she was they were trying to make her McCoy clone and that didn't work. Like I hated her racism toward data. It just mm-hmm. didn't make any sense. Yeah. And I think the other thing was that the truth of the matter is at that time, which I, I think you guys are right about bring her back. We need, need to give her another chance. At that time, strong women were becoming a thing in television. Because if you remember Diana Moldar went from next generation to uh, LA Law. And on L.A. Law, there were whole storylines built around the fact that she was a strong female character. And so I think some of it was, frankly, some of the fans weren't used to a, a doctor, a female, as strong as she was at the time. So I would love to see her get another chance. I heard somebody in a podcast once mention something that they loved about Pulaski, which they said showed the character she could have been. Is there's an episode, remember Worf was doing some kind of ritual, and he was going to drink some kind of potion as part of his ritual that was kind of intense that it was poisonous to humans. And I think it might've been his ascension date or the, you know, one of those birth dates. And Pulaski shared the ritual with him. And she also drank the potion that Worf drank. Now this potion is completely deadly to humans. So she just, she just pulls out that, you know, the hypo, that magic hypo, and she just injects herself and then she drinks it. And I remember this podcast person was saying, that's the Pulaski I wanted to see. That was the compassionate yeah, yeah. Pulaski, a cool person, a friend. 
but we never really got to see her portrayed that way. And I think that's why a lot of people don't like her because they weren't, she wasn't given that chance. Mm. There's a, there's an interesting point that you made twice now about um, Pulaski's treatment of data. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first impression you got of her where uh-huh. she comes in and she doesn't see him as a person. She sees him right. as a machine. Now, I don't know. I doubt the the case is that they use this as a setup, but that does set the stage for what we see later in the season with measure of a man where data is actually put on trial for is he a sentient being yeah. or is he a tool? And so whether you like that about um about Pulaski or not, yeah. it does. It is a precursor for what we see done with data later in the season. So That's I think true. it sets a stage really importantly. Because she does come to she does come to start warming to data mm-hmm. and she comes to think of data as a person. Yeah, she goes from saying in that one episode, I think it was where Silence has least, and she kept she was telling data to change the magnification. She literally turned to Captain Picard and said. It does understand what I'm asking it to do, doesn't it? <laughs> and then there's one episode where she calls, she says, Data. He says, My name is Data. And she literally really goes, What's the difference? Right. Um, but you're right. But later on, Alan, you're right. She does warm to him. And had she stayed, I think all of that would have been erased and they would have become fast friends. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I really would love to see where she is now, what how her career has gone, where she got stationed after Enterprise. I would love to see more of her story. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. And we're in a time in Star Trek now where they might. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> there there was a true. time when you couldn't just throw a character out and say, hey, maybe they'll be back. But now maybe everybody will be back. I don't know. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe Star Trek Pulaski is the show that's mm. waiting in the wings that- behind Picard once it ends. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Yeah, maybe she's uh, gone off to uh, to be a you know like working on the Klingon homeworld uh, because obviously she got on with Worf so well and and, hmm. and she's moved over there to help them uh, to help them out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in which case there could be a new series called uh, Star Trek Took, which is um, Klingon for Doctor. Uh, sorry, okay. Klingon for House. So you say uh, Star Trek House would be uh, Took. Star Trek Took. There we go. Uh, starring oh, Di- Diana Muldor and Hugh uh, <laughs> Laurie. Yeah. Yeah. Hugh Laurie. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, when you said took, I immediately, all I heard was fool of a took. I heard Gandalf yelling at what's his face. <laughs> yes. Well, we're getting close to our time, but I, I did want to say about uh, Dr. Culber, uh, you know, that obviously he, he started on the show as a doctor and then he became more of a counselor. But I think he's a great example of a character changing and changing roles based on all the things that happened to them on the show. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get a character that just gets rebooted, but then sometimes right. characters, you, you can directly look at what happened to them on the show and enjoy the path that they've taken. I think they've done a really good job with Culber, yeah. you know, evolving him into not even just his personality changing a bit, but evolving into a new role in the show that suits him better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you as opposed to Jordy from season one to season two. Right. Yeah. Well, we need, a, we need an engineer and that, that one episode where he was in engineering was cool. So let's right. make it Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Charles, it's funny you say that because with all due respect to Marina Sirtis, who I don't think they used even close to properly until like the last season. Uh, and some of this is probably Wilson Cruz's personality. Wilson Cruz as a counselor works mm-hmm. on the episodes when he just sits down and talks to people. I actually relax. He seems like somebody and I've seen him in real life. He exudes a confidence and you feel comfortable talking to him. So I think he is awesome in that role yeah. as a counselor. I think uh, it's his smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does. He puts you, he really puts you at ease. And I, I love Marina Sirtis, but 
something about her as a counselor never worked for me. And again, I just think they didn't really know how to write them well. No, they didn't. They made her the captain's confidant, basically, an advisor, but they never rarely showed her actually counseling. Exactly. And they should have. If you're going to have a counselor as a main character, by God, use it. I mean, come on. Especially Especially some of the things that they've seen and done on the show. Exactly right. They need that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, O'Brien could have used one for sure. Yeah, he could have. <laughs> <laughs> for a different reason every season. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the O'Brien was one of the characters on DS9 where there was a lot of forgetting what happened to him in the last episode mm-hmm. more oh, than yeah. m- more than a lot of the other shows even. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find the Cosmic Pizza podcast? They can find us on their podcast catcher of their choice. We are on uh, Spotify. We are on uh, Apple, iTunes, also all to those, the usual sort of places that you'd expect us to find. We are on Facebook as well. And uh, we do have a uh, Instagram, Dan, I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, account, which I don't uh, do it. That's Dan to Dan. Um, but really, we're not that social. So we tend to, <laughs> we tend, tend to, we've got an email. People want to email us at cosmicpeterpodcast at uh, gmail.com. Um, you know, the, the, that's that's about as far as we go. But yeah, uh, we're in this because we're three friends that we like to talk to each other each week. And the best way to do that is to discuss something we like and record it and then just throw it out there in case anybody else likes it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us this week. This has been a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Alan, where can people find more of you? Go to cosmicpress.com, not cosmic pizza. This is cosmic press, K O Z M I C press.com. And you can see a list of the podcasts that I'm involved in, as well as a bunch of books that I have written and published. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on the standard social media sites, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, especially the ESO network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. And monkeying around a podcast about the monkeys. And do you have a closing for us this week? I'm a doctor, <laughs> not a podcaster. Yeah, there, you, there you go. <laughs> well done. <laughs> exactly the one I would have said. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.